Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the latest Manitoba crop report is out. We'll hear from James Fry, who is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture based in Roblin, and he'll tell us about seeding progress in the northwest region of Manitoba. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed last week. Fonda Froats, the provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, will have all of the details on that. As well, we will announce our winner of Week 4's Spring Edition of GX94's Supper in the Field. So all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's cloudy here in the Yorkton area right now, and our temperatures are struggling to get to the 20-degree mark. Yeah, some areas still dealing uh, with a brighter sky, especially uh, north and east, much of southern Manitoba in the same cloud deck. But the further north you get, the further east you get, uh, the skies do brighten up. Uh, to the west, there's a pretty strong storm system, and it's producing quite a bit of shower uh, shower coverage, I should say, but also some heavier showers over a good portion of the southern parts of Alberta, looks like a good portion of southwestern, even south-central Saskatchewan. Uh, it's trying to lift east or push eastward. It's lifting northward at the same time. So while it is due west of us and the front is technically moving east, the area of low pressure along it is lifting along the front northward, and that should bring most of the showers north of us. So the areas actually that are the sunniest now with a better chance for showers later on tonight uh, toward Hudson Bay and especially points north. So this is going to really be a uh, non-issue for most of us as far as measurable rainfall goes. We'll get clipped by a few of these showers. There's enough out there. It's not uh, that there's no that there's a shortage of rainfall. It's just the core tracks north. So these spotty uh, lighter showers on the southern end may cut through during the afternoon. The high of, we'll say 21. Uh, for many of us it's going to be a struggle though to move at all under that stubborn overcast. It's the area that are under the thinner overcast that have the best chance of seeing any uh, significant warming through the afternoon. The wind is up, and it's actually a warm wind, so that's helping to warm things up as well. Gusts up towards a 40, 45 kilometers per hour. The shower threat is at its greatest during the evening tonight for the Orton area. 
And again, only 30% with that temperature at 15 for the low tonight. And tomorrow, uh, the back edge of that whole system starts to approach, and a new wave lifts it in. This one a little bit closer, brings a better chance for some showers by the end of Thursday. Most of Thursday is fine, but we're under this persistent southerly wind, and the warm air lifting northward a bit brings us into it. We should get into at least the mid, if not upper 20s through the afternoon. The wind south to southwest, 25 to 40 gusts to 50 through midday, and then diminishing through the afternoon. 28 is the high. Showers isolated mainly after 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and then more likely through the night. Low of 14, and occasional showers into Friday with a high of 24. Those showers will diminish through the evening. Friday night looks dry. Saturday, showers redevelop, and again, they're likely with a high of 21. Showers linger Saturday night into early Sunday. Cloudy sky remains on Sunday, even as the showers end, the high 21. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw, Brandon, and Roblin all reporting in at 16 degrees. Swan River, Dauphin, and Show Lake Russell at 17. Regina and Hudson Bay, as well as Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, all in at 18 degrees. Saskatoon, 17 Broadview Mooseman 16, Indian Head 19. The Yorkton-Melville region has a cloudy sky, an east-southeast wind at 28, gusting to 41 kilometers an hour. 61% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 16 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 19 degrees and dropped to a low of 8 degrees. There was a trace of precipitation that fell in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 20 degrees. The normal low is 6 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 4.47 this morning and it will set at 8.46 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Canada's hotspot. Gretna got up to 30 degrees. Manitoba's cold spot was Thompson at minus 4 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Moose Jaw at 29 degrees. The cold spot was Collins Bay at minus 4 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. It's time now to check in once again with Evan Montgomery. Beef and Forage Report. Chicago Mercantile Exchange cattle contracts were lower yesterday, with traders noting pressure from strength in corn futures. Recent declines in both cattle and hogs have done little to spur a round of bargain buying, with some speculators using the drop to add more shorts to their positions in the absence of fresh bullish fundamental news. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the AgReview portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 AgReview Farm Credit Canada's recent outreach to specific agri-food sectors hit by unusual environmental conditions has now extended to those hit by the broader economic environment. The federal ag lender now says it will offer an unsecured credit line of up to $500,000 with loan processing fees waived 
to help producers, agribusinesses and agri-food operations with their immediate cash flow needs. FCC says it's making the offer to both new and existing customers who are experiencing financial difficulties, including cash flow challenges due to higher-than-average input costs and elevated interest rates. While the Bank of Canada has maintained its policy rate since January, FCC warned in a March outlook that additional intervention could still be required to get inflation to 2%. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada is looking for Canadian farmers to participate in a survey about weather and climate. Producers have until October to take part in the Agro-Climate Impact Reporters Survey. The survey is open for the last week of each month until October. The online survey is designed for the collection and reporting of weather and climate impacts on farm operations across Canada. Producers can complete the survey by email or by phone as well. The questionnaire takes about five minutes to complete and requires information like farm location, type of farm, if the area is experiencing weather or climate-related impacts, soil moisture condition, and steps farmers have taken to adapt to challenging weather this year. Once the responses are collected, scientists use them to create a map of conditions across Canada. The speculative short position in canola continued to shrink during the weekend at May 15th as speculators bought back short positions and put on new longs. That's according to the latest Commitments of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission. As of May 15th, the net managed money short position in canola futures came in at 48,599 contracts, a decrease of about 8,500 contracts from the previous week. Open interest in the canola market came in at 256,049 contracts on May 15th, which was down by only 514 contracts from the previous week. At the Chicago Board of Trade, Fund traders were holding a net long of about 21,800 contracts in soybeans, down about 28,000 from the previous week. The Ukrainian port of Pivdeny has halted operations because Russia is not allowing ships to enter it, in effect cutting it out of a deal allowing safe Black Sea grain exports. The Black Sea grain initiative signed by Russia and Ukraine last July and extended last week for two months, is intended to guarantee the safe wartime export of grains and foodstuffs from three Ukrainian ports, Odessa, Tornomorsk, and Pivdeny. The United Nations, which together with Turkey brokered the deal and its extension, expressed concern that Pivdeny, near Odessa on the Black Sea, had not received any ships since May 2nd under the deal. Under the agreement, all ships bound for Ukrainian ports must be inspected by a joint team including Russian inspectors. Those Russian inspectors have refused to inspect ships bound for Pivdeny since April 29th. The World Organization for Animal Health says governments should consider vaccinating poultry against bird flu, which has killed hundreds of millions of birds and infected mammals worldwide, to prevent the virus from turning into a new pandemic. The severity of the current outbreak of avian influenza, commonly called bird flu, and the economic and personal damage it has caused has led governments to reconsider vaccinating poultry. However, some, like the United States, 
remain reluctant mainly because of the trade curbs this would entail. A recent survey showed only 25% of World Organization for Animal Health member states would accept imports of products from poultry vaccinated against bird flu. The European Union's 27 member states agreed last year to implement a bird flu vaccine strategy. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's cloudy and 16 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed last week. Fonda Froats, provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, provides the latest cattle market update for the week of May 15th through the 19th. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices reported by Canfax were a little mixed over the last week compared to the previous week. Feeder steers ranged from 372 per hundredweight for the 4 to 500 pound category to 254 per hundredweight for the 900 plus pound category. There were price gains over the prior week in the bottom and top end weight categories with the largest average gain in the 4 to 500 pound steers up an impressive 1767 per hundredweight over the prior week. And the largest decrease was in the six to seven hundred pound steers, down an average of four oh eight per hundred weight from the prior week. Average weekly prices for heifers reported on May nineteenth were down in all the reported weight categories. Prices ranged from three nineteen twenty five per hundred weight for the four to five hundred pound category to two forty eight for the 800 plus pound category. It was the four to 500 pound heifers that had the largest decline over the prior week, which was 792 below. She outlines the factors behind the changes. Yeah, we continue to see limited marketings and a tighter supply of feeder cattle coming to market, which is supporting these prices. Also a factor is the increased buying interest from the U.S. as their cost of gain is coming down. Froats has the marketings for the week. Canfax reported 4,827 head of Saskatchewan feeder cattle sold over the week, and this is down from the 7,445 head the previous week. And as for market-ready cattle prices? The Canfax price for Alberta-fed steers on May 19th was 237.11 per hundredweight, and this was up 566 per hundredweight compared to the Last reported price of 231.45 on May 12th. Fed cattle prices have continued to establish record highs. Alberta cow prices on May 19th were mixed compared to the prior week, with D2 cows being down and D3 cows unchanged. D2 cows decreased on average 187 per hundredweight from the prior week to average 147.83 per hundredweight. The price of D3 cows was unchanged, ending the week with an average of 131.90 per hundredweight. That's Fonda Froats, the Provincial Cattle Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. Live Cattle Futures for June closed at 166.10 today. That's up 182. August Live Cattle closed at 164.12. 
up 155. August feeder cattle closed at 234.52, up 105. September feeder cattle closed at 237.62, up 87. June lean hogs closed at 79.80, down 87. July lean hogs closed at 80.82, down 15. And that's the livestock market conditions. Thank you, Tanya, and welcome back to GX on Agriculture. According to the latest Manitoba crop report, spring seeding across the province is 62% complete. That's way up from 25% last week, but well behind the five-year average of 81%. James Fry is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture based in Roblin. He has the seeding progress for the northwest region of Manitoba. In our northwest region, we have uh, about a 53% overall uh, completion of seeding. So that's kind of uh, aggregating all the different um, crops together. Of course, uh, the breakdown there uh, can be a little more fine-grained. We see that peas are done to about 95%. So that means pretty well done. Uh, And uh, wheat, similarly, about 90%. Barley is a little less at about 60% and oats at 50%. Canola has begun and uh, canola is about 50% finished. And soybeans as well are are underway. We see about 60% uh, soybean acres seeded. And uh, grain and corn, uh, silage corn at about 85%. As for soil moisture conditions? You know, it it definitely depends what part of the field you're standing in, of course, but... um, I would say that we're we're getting to a point where most fields are becoming fairly dry within the first um, perhaps three quarters of an inch, and it's only once you've you know scraped uh, really stuck your finger further down into the soil that you actually see that moisture band there. So I think um, uh, it, it hasn't seemed to hurt the wheat so far. Uh, a lot of the wheat fields that were seeded, especially the earlier seeded fields, are coming up just fine, and uh, that probably means that those roots will work their way down into that moisture, but uh, we could see uh, some uh, either slower emergence or maybe spottier emergence for shallower seeded crops like canola. Fry admits it's hard to say if producers want a shot of rain right now or wanted to hold off until seeding is done. <laughs> well, that's always the, the, the dilemma, I suppose. Um, you know, getting it into the ground is is good and that is the advantage of it having been so dry is that you can just go for as long as it takes you to finish uh but of course i I think as i said some of that shallower seeded stuff is going to definitely take a shot of rain uh just to germinate because especially in a field that was worked in the fall um, or earlier the spring you're going to see quite a bit of uh drying uh, dry soil there he notes there was a touch of frost reported in northwest Manitoba last week. Yeah, I don't think at this point that that would damage, especially not the cereals, which are pretty tough. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, it's it's possible that there might be some damage on a, on a very localized level for some canola. I think a bigger uh, challenge is, of course, we're, we're starting to see the flea beetles emerge. Uh, and uh, currently what we see them feeding on is volunteer canola. And uh, and then with the wind being as brisk as it has been, at least in my area for the last couple of days, uh, applying uh, herbicides and, of course, insecticides is a challenge. So 
um, that's something to be aware of is that uh, maybe as we begin to see those first canola plants emerging, just be on the watch for flea beetle damage. Fry predicts seeding could wrap up in his area sooner than you might think. I think until we would see the very last of the acres go in for sure, but I think within a week or uh, you know, week to 10 days, I think we're going to see those numbers uh, reaching a pretty high, uh, you know, 85-90% done, uh, at least at this rate, because it doesn't seem as if any major rainfall event is in the forecast, and that really just means you can, you can just seed until it's done. And as for pasture conditions in northwest Manitoba? Pastures are bouncing back and uh, in good shape, and so that um, producers within the next 7 to 10 days uh, probably will have moved most of their cattle out of uh, winter feeding areas into um, into pasture. Uh, the reminder there, of course, is just to really look for that uh, six to 5-6-inch six, to six growth on the pastures just to make sure that uh, we're really not over overworking that pasture before it gets going. James Fry is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture based in Roblin. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update is coming up right after these messages. Commodities update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. July canola closed at 698.10, down $3.50. November canola closed at 660.60, down $4.40. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 799 per bushel, down 21 and three quarters of a cent. July Kansas City wheat closed at 812 and a quarter, down 29 and a quarter cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 606 and a quarter, down 16 cents. July corn closed at 587 and a quarter, up nine and three quarters of a cent. July soybeans closed at 1324 and a half, that's up two cents. July oats closed at 329 and three quarters, up eight and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. Grain tracking, grain movement across Canada is now easier than ever. This month, Statistics Canada released the Grain Supply Chain Dashboard, an interactive map that details, among other things, segments of the railway network, the number of cars, and a car's last known location. The dashboard was developed in partnership with the Ag Transport Coalition, Greg Northey with Pulse Canada, one of the members of the coalition, says it's all about transparency. A group of agriculture organizations have been running the Ag Transport Coalition for close to 10 years now. And so as part of that project, uh, it's all about bringing transparency to the grain supply chains. As part of that project, we collect a lot of data. We purchase data and we have a pretty good understanding of essentially how grain is moving on the rail networks. And so one of our goals with a program like that is to, is to collaborate with railways, with all levels of government on finding a common data set, working with data, bringing transparency. And so one of our options, one of the, the, the things we looked at was, okay, what about StatsCan? And, you know, they publish a lot of information. They're seen as a as obviously a, a huge depository of data and, and a trusted source of data and transparency. And so we started to speak with them about, well, how could they do a, a daily product? Because we collect 
data daily um, on how grain is moving in the supply chain and work with them on on giving them data uh, so that they could actually publish uh, on their own website a, a daily report on how grain is moving through the network. And you know, we started that process about a year ago and, and we had the launch of the product uh, this month. And so it's a, it's a really interesting product. First time in Stats Canada's history, they've done a daily product like this where they, they push out data in, in a map form. Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're very excited about it. It's a, it's a really good example of how collaboration can work for everybody. He says producers can use their computer or smartphone to track the dashboard. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, so it's a, in a map form, which is which is pretty cool. You can go to take a look at it, and you can do it from obviously from your phone or your computer. And it'll show the map of Western Canada. It'll show the you know the elevators in Canada. It'll show the destination like the the ports destinations: Thunder Bay, Vancouver. And what it does each each day is it it automatically refreshes using our data and, and shows basically where where hopper cars are in the in the grain network. The product is very careful around confidentiality, so you know you won't be able to pin it to any specific owner of those of those grain cars. But you see all of them, and you see where they're where they're bunching up. You can see where a lot of them have been sitting. You can see the choke points. Um, so it's a really interesting product. It's a 1.0, like it's a real you know first step on this. So it has a lot of functionality that we can start to dig into with with Test Canada as we move forward. Northy expects the dashboard will always be open to improvements. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is very much meant to to be, like I said, that first step in something like this. And so we are, you know, hoping we, we receive feedback from, from from all stakeholders. And it can be done through the Stats Canada website, but also directly with the Ag Transport Coalition as well. So myself or any other any of the partners, like any kind of input, uh, good or bad, is always welcome on this kind of thing. Because we think this is really the future, right, around transparency and just and just everyone working with a, with a common set of data and understanding what's happening out there. And so it's definitely open to feedback. And he talks about how long it took to put the dashboard together. Yeah, so it, it you know we started conversations with Task Canada about a year ago. I'd say you know last uh, June. And while while it looks fairly simple as far as you know the mapping feature, you know we are we're getting you know the the data behind it is is extremely complicated how it how it how it works how it moves through a system. And so it, it took us almost a year to work through it, both with, you know, how we interacted with Stats Canada and how, you know, the data was cleaned and made confidential and everything else. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a long process. That's Greg Northey, Vice President of Corporate Affairs with Pulse Canada, talking about the grain supply chain dashboard developed by Stats Canada and the Ag Transport Coalition. Please stay tuned. We'll announce our uh, Supper in the Field winner coming up next. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.